You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastriani with you after, I think, a frustrating night for the Atlanta Braves. It felt like they were just a hit away several times from changing the complexion of this game, the outcome of this game, but they could not find the hits they needed, especially late as the San Diego Padres beat the Braves by a 5-4 final score. Uh, For Atlanta in this one, I think some missed opportunities will loom large in this, but when you look at the overall start for this club, only the second loss of the season, so... You can't really, I think, be too doom and gloom about it. The Braves certainly have the team to bounce back. We'll talk about all of that, what to take away from this game, and, of course, get you set for Game 3 of the series, which happens on Saturday. Before we do that, I want to remind you to to subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube. Click that bell so you get notified every time we drop a new episode, and make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Jake, I feel like as we looked at start number two for Jared Schuster, the takeaway was a little bit more of the same from the national series, but this we knew was going to be a tougher lineup to test him with. I wouldn't necessarily say he failed the test altogether. I just think that these are some of the challenges that a young pitcher faces, particularly if you can't stay in the strike zone the way you need to. And the first inning, once again, was kind of the thing that bit him. Yeah, again, for me, it it is pretty much more of the same. It's the walks. It's not being able to command. It's not being able to do what he did in spring training and what he's done in minor league baseball. And again, I mentioned it several times. It's maybe that mental hurdle is just the last thing for him. You know, as you said before, getting in a scenario where they're adding decks behind you in the, and you know, the bright lights are on. I mean, that is a big thing for a lot of pitchers and I believe in Jared Schuster. I think he's going to be a good major leaguer, but perhaps his last hurdle is kind of getting over that mental hurdle and trusting his stuff. We saw it with Bryce Elder, Last year, he just wasn't trusting his stuff in the zone, walking too many batters. And when he came back up and what we saw from him last time out, you know, began to trust his his pitches in the zone and trust his defense behind him. But it just seems like he's trying to strike everybody out and make the perfect pitch, which a lot of young pitchers do when they first come up, instead of just, you know, believing in what got him here. So, again, I think he'll get there. I still believe in Jared Schuster that he's going to be a good pitcher, but just too many walks and honestly too many walks from the entire Braves pitching staff mm-hmm. in these first two games. So that's something that I think the whole pitching staff needs to get a hold of. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that. I don't necessarily feel like that's going to be something that plagues the Braves all season long. I think that some of these games kind of feel like outliers, particularly the couple of starts by Schuster. But before I get ahead of myself, let's look at the line score for this game uh, as the Padres, even up their record on the season at four and four, Five runs, seven hits, and eight men left on base for the San Diego club. For the Braves, meanwhile, who are now six and two, four runs on six hits, no errors, and 10 men left aboard. Runners in scoring position, I always like to go through this at this time. Braves just one hit in their seven tries in that scenario. Padres four for nine with runners in scoring position. That one, I think, is always a big one. Brent Honeywell, a great story. I mean, you talk about overcoming injuries and adversities in your career. He came out of the bullpen and gave the Padres and Bob Melvin exactly what they needed to pick up the win in relief. He's 1-0. Michael Tonkin, meanwhile, uh, he was just not able to hold serve, I think, after Jared Schuster gave up a run in the sixth inning. That proved to be the difference maker in this 5-4 game. Uh, Tonkin is now 0-1. Josh Hader, his second save. Time of game, three hours and one minute. I thought the pitch clock was supposed to save us from those. 
It didn't on this night. 41,963 were on hand to see it. We'll talk a little bit about Jared Schuster, uh, I think, here. A little bit more about him. Four-plus innings, a couple of batters he faced in the fifth. Six hits, four earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts. He did miss some bats and, and pick up some strikeouts in this game. Uh, against a very tough lineup. Got up to 91 pitches, but a 37-pitch first inning, Jake, uh, which included some walks uh, with the bases loaded. And, and when you looked at the overall walks on this night, you mentioned it for the Braves pitching staff. Six of them overall. Two of those walks came into score. Another of those was with the bases loaded, and that was Austin Nola. This just wasn't the first inning, I think, that Jared Schuster envisioned. But once again, I do feel like he made some adjustments as the night went along. Yeah. How do we make those adjustments before the, the game starts? Yeah, it's, it's kind of the big thing for him going forward. And, and again, that's why I kind of point to those nerves things. And can he get over that mental aspect of it, of getting into the flow of a game? And, and a lot of pitchers and really good pitchers kind of struggle that first inning sometimes, just getting into the flow of the game. And then once they're in a rhythm, I mean, you've, you've heard it said about Max Scherzer before. If you don't get him early, you may not get him. You know, he's been that type of pitcher in the past when I'm not saying that Jared Schuster's bright, uh, Max Scherzer, but just saying some pitchers have that that issue, that hurdle they can't get over, just getting into the flow of the game and getting past that first inning. So, again, I think it's something that he'll work through and that he'll need to learn and mature uh, and get more mature at. But, uh, again, I have no real concerns about him. I think this stuff is good. I think he's going to be a solid, you know, rotation pitcher for a good while in the major league uh, uniform. So, Again, I think it's just trusting that stuff and getting over that last mental hurdle hurdle for him. But, yeah, you talk about the time of game, and I already mentioned it. It's the walks, seven walks from the Braves pitching staff last night. A lot of walks by the Padres pitching staff. It's just that's one way. If you want to keep these games long, that's one way yeah. to do it. But it does seem to drag down some of these games when you're getting all these free passes. It does. Interesting you brought up, you know, Max Scherzer and that old adage, if you don't get him early, you may not get him. I mean, just for Braves fans, I'm sure they remember Tom Glavin was that way at times, where if he had first inning trouble, that might be the only chance the team got to get to Tom Glavin on that night. He was able to make those adjustments. He liked Jared Schuster as a left-hander, but that, I think, in fairness and exactly what you said, is where the comparison should end because we shouldn't be comparing Jared Schuster to Hall of Fame pitchers who have had a long time to, you know, apply their craft and to make those adjustments. He is still very much in the kind of the embryo phase of his career, but for four plus innings, uh, four earned runs, again, four walks and four strikeouts for Jared Schuster and over 90 pitches. He was able to get out there and get into the fifth inning for the second time. He just hasn't quite been able to get over that hurdle. We'll talk a little bit about some of the Braves offensive things that did go on on this night. We'll also of course, get you set up uh, for Saturday's game, which will feature Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves. Before we do though, I want to tell you about Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, use that code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Of course, terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. All of that is guaranteed. As far as what was going on for the Braves, offensively speaking, I got to update the 40-40 counter for Ronald Acuna Jr. Not once, but twice in this game. Ronald also flashed a leather in this one. He's up to four stolen bases on the year. He scored two of the Braves' four runs on this night. So even on a day where he goes hitless, we see how Ronald Acuna Jr. can affect the game. And that's exactly what he did on the base paths. And by making a great catch to rob his buddy Juan Soto of an extra base hit to end the fourth inning, that's about as good a catch as I've seen Ronald make since 2021. 
Yeah, I mean, it's great to see him, you know, obviously get the jumps back like that. I mean, he is, again, he's just one of those players. He's going to impact the game one way or another. Like you said, he went hitless, still scored two runs, still stole two bases, and still made a great play defensively. I mean, he just is that true five-tool talent. So I uh, did have some, you know, hard-hit balls and a couple that he just missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of got the, the crowd up for just a moment. But, uh, yeah, again, he just he impacts the game in so many ways. And, again, it's just another continuation of seeing Ron Acuna Jr. getting back to his old self, seeing him make defensive plays like that. We didn't see that last year. He was, quite very honestly, not very good defensively last year. Very so. timid, I thought. Yes, yeah, so it's great to see him, you know, trusting that knee to be able to make a play like that. So, yes, just more good positive signs for Acuna. Going down the line, Matt Olson also hitless on this day, but he had three walks in this game. Austin Riley had the best game of any Braves hitter. He was three for three. He also walked twice, knocked in a run. Uh, good night for Austin Riley, who pushes his batting average up to 357 on the young season. So he's starting to get his swings in and starting to look like he might be heating up. And if he gets hot, Matt Olson has had a pretty good start to the year in terms of at least runs knocked in and finding his way on base. And we've talked time and again about Ronald Acuna Jr. looking like his old self. The top three in that Braves order looking pretty good, but they are going to need some help. In the middle of the order, Ozzie Albies 0 for 5 out of the cleanup spot. He was a key man a couple of times, I felt like, late in the game especially. Uh, Sean Murphy 0 for 3, knocked in a run, walked twice. 0 for for Eddie Rosario and for Orlando Arcia. Marcelo Zuna with a solo home run. Sam Hilliard with a couple of hits in center field, and we know he's in center because Michael Harris landed on the injured list. Uh, something that I got to talk to Michael before the game. He said if it was in the heat of the pennant race, this might be something they try to play through a little bit and not go on the injured list. But right now, out of the abundance of caution that you want to have with your players in the offset of a season or in the outset of a season so that you don't make a little injury, a big injury, they went ahead and put him on the injured list for 10 days. And maybe we'll see Michael in about, uh, what, a week and a half, I guess, when he's first eligible to come off that injured list. But, you know, Jake, you know, good teams that have depth like the Braves do, they have that because they're going to be tested. We've seen it on the pitching side. Now we're seeing it on the position player side with Michael Harris. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the Lockdown Braves podcast on on Friday as well. There's, you know, out of an abundance of caution, a phrase you're, you've heard a lot in the past, and now you're in it with the Braves this year early in the season, precautionary. I mean, you don't want these to turn into long-term lingering issues. So it makes sense early in the season to just let these guys take the time off and rest and give a guy like Sam Hilliard an opportunity and a guy like Eli White, who they called yep. up an opportunity because they're guys who had good springs. And for Eli White, he's gone down very small sample size in AAA and been very good. So perhaps we see some of these guys get an opportunity to see what they can do. So um, again, you talked about it, the depth and having these guys who they brought in and, you know, have, you know, did have good springs and were impressive. And now we kind of get to see what they can do and test that depth. But uh, yeah, I hate it for, for Michael Harris again, you know, precautionary thing. I think if, like he, he said, and you talk to him and uh, you know, if it were the pennant race or the postseason, I think he would be in there, but it's early April. Why yep. take any chances this early on where it's, it's yep. the second time already we've heard about his back having some issues. So might as well go ahead and, and take a week and a half off, let that heal up and come back and get ready to, to get back going. Yeah, and it did happen on that leaping play mm-hmm. against the wall to Rob Paul Goldschmidt in that fu- in that final game in St. Louis. And Michael did clarify that the back deal that he had for a couple of days in spring training, this was not the same thing. This was a, a different injury. So if you're worried about something that's been lingering for that long, he said it, it's just not the same thing. Brian Snicker, meanwhile, did say that they felt like, you know, conservatively that Michael would miss four or five games. 
with the 10-day injured list stint that they can put him down for instead of 15 days where they might have tried to play a man down for a week or so to give Michael the chance to avoid missing two full weeks. They just they weren't going to try it, you know, to play down for that long if they didn't have a better option like this 10-day IL. So it's interesting the window that that creates five days. It may not seem like much, but it's a long time when you're playing down a man that might be ready to come back off that injured list and help you out. Either way, that's what they're doing with Michael Harris. That's what's going on. As Jake mentioned, Eli White is up from AAA Gwinnett, where he was off to a pretty good start. And we'll see if he can chip in along with Sam Hilliard to hold down center field in the absence of Michael Harris. So there is two more games in this series against the Padres. It's a four-gamer. Braves got the win on Thursday. Padres even it up on Friday. Atlanta will try to take the series lead and get at least a split of the series. Guarantee that behind Charlie Morton on Saturday. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before that, I have to ask if you have tried out Pro Baseball GM. If you download Pro Baseball GM today, it'll let you manage every aspect of a franchise playing through the season, leading your franchise and fans to build the glory and a dynasty all at the same time. You have to hire the right coaches and staff, manage your team's finances, scout and draft players, manage the difficult personalities that come with that, as well as the injuries. We've talked a little bit about that here on the postcast. And you got to try to make the right free agent moves and handle the ups and downs of a season. That is what Pro Baseball GM is all about. Locked on Braves postcast listeners will get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code locked on in the game store. So go to probaseballgm.com, scan the code, and find it in the app stores. And that's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Well, we're going to talk about the start of game three of the series, which is another 721st pitch at Truist Park. It's Saturday night. Right-hander Charlie Morton against right-hander Michael Walker. A couple of veterans going at it, both of them winning their season debuts. I think what we need to see from Charlie, Jake, is quite simple. More swings and misses. That usually means that things are going pretty well for him. Yeah, more swings and misses and keep the ball in the yard. I mean, those are the two keys for Charlie Morton. Did a good job in his first game of not uh, giving up any home runs. But like you said, just wasn't getting the swings and misses. It was just an, I labeled it as an unusual start for Charlie Morton. You know, not necessarily bad, but not necessarily one of his best either. So looking for him to kind of get back to his best and seeing that dominant Charlie Morton racking up the strikeouts and you know not hitting people in the back foot with that that curveball and not giving up the home runs. Uh, that's you know what I'm looking for, especially early here in the season with Charlie Morton. See if we can get him back to that 2021 version. Yeah, kind of a middling debut. Not not great, not bad. Just kind of somewhere in between. Braves were able to sweep the Cardinals in that series, so it certainly didn't stop them from the mission, which is when uh, every time he goes out to the mound, he wants to see that. But I know Charlie. He's one of the most cerebral and I think thoughtful pitchers or players I've ever been around. You know that he has been kind of digesting what he needs to over the last four days to kind of figure out what changes and tweaks he can make, and hopefully he's able to figure some of that out, give the Braves a little bit deeper into the game, help take some of the stress off a bullpen that is currently a little bit taxed as well without Colin McHugh and already without Rysel Iglesias and having to work a little bit the first couple of games of this series. We'll see what Charlie Morton's able to give the Braves as he aims for his second win of the season against right-hander Michael Waka, one of the many players the Padres have brought in to try to strengthen what should be a very good contender out in the NL West. 7.20 p.m. Eastern time is the first pitch between the Braves and Padres at Truist Park on Saturday. With that, it'll bring us to the end of the Locked On Sports Atlanta Braves postcast. We appreciate you riding along with us. want to remind you to go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell, get notified every time we drop a new episode, and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves. You will get the postcast and all the other great content that Jake has for you all season long. Wherever you get your podcast, Locked On Braves is where you can find it. Once again, it was a tough night for the Braves as they come up a run short to the Padres. 5-4 the final score. Braves now 6-2. 
They still have a two-game lead in the NL East if you're already looking at the standings. If you're not, then there you go. And if you didn't want to know, I apologize, but we track this stuff all season long. And the Braves are still in first place, and they are off to a good start. They'll look to get back to their winning ways on Saturday. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. We look forward to to catching up with you after the game on Saturday. And until then, so long, everyone. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 